What a blessing. Psalm 46, if you would. Psalm 46. And as we've already mentioned, we're living in a world that is getting louder and louder, more obnoxious as the days go on. Uh, it's getting bolder and bolder. Uh, you know, you look at the surroundings, you look at the emphasis uh, on, on the, the days and the, the months and everything that is going on, and we're just living in what we would say very unfamiliar and uncertain days. Uh, it ought to make the Christian uncomfortable. Well, the reality of it is it oftentimes doesn't. There are far too many Christians that as the, the times are getting worse, there are many Christians that are just accepting it. And I was talking to uh, our banker just the other day, and we were talking about just uh, interest rates and certain things, you know, with uh, the, 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 the interest, whether it was our ch- church building or uh, buying and selling and whatever the case might be. And the, uh, the, the banker, he began to, to elaborate a little bit. He said, you know, the interest rates are what they are right this very moment. He said, you know, there, there are many banks that are saying, hey, the interest rates are going to come down. But he said, you know, we don't know that to be true. We're just hoping that to be the case and this and that. And he said... The sad reality is this. This is the new norm. And uh, right this very moment, the, the truth within the Christian life is that with our days and with much that is going on within this world, and as times are getting worse, and though the Christian ought to be uncomfortable, and though they ought, the, the Christian ought to get in the presence of sin and, and begin to say, oh, I don't need to be there, many Christians are saying, well, you know, this, this is just the new normal. And I find in God's Word that <laughs> the Lord determines what is right and what is wrong. He determines what is normal and what is abnormal. He determines the way we ought to live and the way we ought not to live. And the Christian is looking at everything and say, well, you know, everyone else does it. I was listening to a, to a preacher just the other day as he was sharing a little of inside of some things that they have going on. And he made the statement, well, preacher, you know, so-and-so does it and everyone is doing it. He said, well, then everyone is wrong. And that's the reality that we see within Scripture, that there are many things about what is right and what is wrong. And as the times are getting worse and uh, the sin is abounding and things are getting louder and louder, we ask ourselves, how do we hear from the Lord and how do we live for the Lord in days like this? As you come to Psalm 46 within the Christian life, we begin to realize that the Lord truly does desire to speak to His children. I believe He, right this very moment, desires to speak to you. And if you're here this morning and you've prepared your heart to hear from the Lord, He desires to speak to you and that you would hear and do something with it. I pray that you haven't come to the house of God and said, well, I'm coming because it's Father's Day and I'll get something and, and I'll think on it for a few days or this or that, but I don't really have any intentions of doing anything with the Word of God. I don't really have any intentions of, if the Lord convicts me, then, you know, I'll just kind of push that conviction to the side and we'll we'll navigate through all of that. The Lord desires to speak to us this morning, and as you come to this psalm right here, I want you to notice a few words, because we ask the question, how do you hear the Lord through all of the noise? How do you hear the Lord through all of the noise? Uh, As you think about verse number one, he says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, with desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Verse number 10. You say, all the noise that is being seen in the very beginning of Psalm 46, and then right in the midst of all of that, he says these words, Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. As you come to Psalm 46, I believe a great and powerful reminder is placed right in the midst of verse number 10. Those words, be still. You begin to think about your life and the life that you're living. You begin to think about society and how loud and obnoxious and how worldly things are becoming. And even in the church, as you walk in many churches, the churches are beginning to adapt and become like the world instead of changing the world. And we're seeing that more and more. And as you begin to think about all of the noise that is around us and all the voices of this society and this world, there needs to be some Christians that get into the stillness. And say, I need to get away from all of the noise and get away from all of what is going on and just get into the presence of the Lord and understand that He is my God and He is my refuge and He is my strength right this very moment. How do you hear God through all of the noise? You know, we begin to see within many of our lives, if we're not careful, we may not always conform to the world in its ways, but we feel to, to be relevant that we've got to be in, we've got to know, we've got to have common ground of understanding. We, we begin to straddle the line just enough to be, just enough to know of the world and be of the world, but not necessarily be in the world and doing the things of the world and acting like the world. But we know those things because we don't want to be out of touch or out of tune. And so we know the lingo and we know the fads and we know the, the, the popular people and we know all of these many things because we still want to be relevant. You know what relevancy speaks of? It speaks of a pride issue within all of our lives. And many of us, if we're not careful, we begin to think that, hey, we've got to know the, 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 the greatest country artists and the greatest rock and roll artists and the greatest rap artists and the greatest hip hop artists. And who are the ones that are the, 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 the real big artists right now? Because I need to know if I come in touch with somebody that's asking questions. I want to know. I don't want to sit over there and act like I, I'm, you know, out of touch and out of tune. I want to be able to, you know, if they're spitting off some lyrics, I want to be able to, to kind of chime in a little bit. And you begin to think about that. We do it with TV shows. We do it with the movies. The greatest movies, even though there's, you know, we, we were talking about this just the other day, but, you know, many of these new networks are going to, or not networks, but these new platforms are going to where they're making their own movies. And many of them are very vulgar. Yet we feel that to be relevant in society and to, to be able to have conversations, we need to know the lingo and all the fads and all these many things that we've already discussed. You know, it would do a Christian good. If they're going to be a difference maker, and when they get in the presence of all of that sin and all that nastiness and all of that junk being talked about, if they were in the presence of those who were laughing about it and enjoying all that, if they looked at you and said, hey, you know what I'm talking about? And you would look at them and say, I don't have a clue. And as a matter of fact, it might actually open a door for the Lord to use you in that person's life for you to be able to say, you know what? I'm a child of God and it's just something that 
Lord wouldn't really have for me to see or listen to or, you know, go to or do, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't within me. There, there's just something within me that, that can't allow myself to watch those things. And as you begin to get into the Word of God, you begin to understand that as we draw closer to the Lord and away from the world, that all of a sudden we get begin to realize that we are no longer learned or ignorant. We are no longer modern or old-fashioned. We are no longer crude or cultured. We are no longer red, yellow, black, and white. We are just sinners. We are just individuals. We are just mankind in need of a Savior. And we begin to understand that none of that matters. What does matter? Well, it's not the simple fact that distinctions, distinctions begin to fade away. Fads begin to become pointless. Education becomes only so important. Eternity becomes vital and important. We say, I have to do something for Jesus. You know, I was talking to these two young men right here. They feel the Lord has called them to preach. I'm excited about our youth group, and I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in our youth group, but I pulled these two young men aside just the other day. I said, listen, if you feel that you're called to preach, then hey, it's time to take some things to the next level. And that's the case for every single youth within our youth department, the junior campers, the parents, and everyone. But I looked at them specifically, I said, because the Bible is, Brother Pope was dealing with this, he was talking about David reaching and serving his generation. But I think we're missing sometimes the understanding of what is being dealt with and what we truly mean by when we say we serve. Serving your generation doesn't mean you fit into your generation. It doesn't mean that you go along with your generation. As you study church history and you begin to study some of the greatest Christians that the Lord used mightily, those Christians did not go along with the stream of everything. No, they understood that my relationship with the Lord is the greatest relationship I will ever put work into. And what the Lord desires to do in my life and what he desires to do through my life is so important that I need to yield my life to him in such a way that every single day all of my steps are guided by the Lord. And so all of a sudden that becomes a challenge because there's so many voices. You've got voices to your left saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You don't need to really pour all of your time into the Lord and what the Lord could do in your life. And you've got voices over here saying, it's just one day. You don't have to live the Christian life all the time. Just live it 99% of the time. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is working within your heart and you're desiring these things. You see, it's in the presence of the Lord where everything begins to make sense. The pain that you're facing, yes, you'll, it'll make sense. The, the problems that you've encountered, yes, it'll make sense. It's in the presence of the Lord where joy begins to be understood and blessings are understood and the journey and the reason, the purpose, the future, everything. It's as you get into the presence of the Lord, you begin to realize it all makes sense because it's all about Him. You see, you know why many of us, we don't like to address our problems or we begin to, to gripe about our problems and the pains and the, the, the trials in our lives because we're only thinking about our perspective. We're not looking at it from heaven's perspective and saying, God, you saw fit to bring this into my life and I don't understand it right now, but Lord, help me get in the presence of the Lord and understand that you have a purpose and a plan in all of it. You see, it's in all of the, the noise within the, the problems and the, the trials of life and the, the situations that we encounter that as you walk through Psalm 46, it's not irony that as verse number 10 says, be still and know that I am God, that there is so much noise before that verse. 
child of God, when you flip on the news, you're going to hear a bunch of noise. Some of it could called, be called junk. And a child of God, as you walk through the grocery stores, you're going to begin to see a lot of filth. As you go and you, you walk around in the world, you're going to begin to see a lot of sin and a lot of things going on. As you go into certain parts of the country and certain parts of the world, you're going to begin to see that the cities are given to sin and people are given to sin and they enjoy living in their sin. There's just noise. In Psalm 46, the earth shakes, the waters roar, the mountains tumble, the nations rage. The kingdoms move, the war is heard. And all of that is going on, and God Almighty is reminding us as He says these words, the psalmist here, be still and know that I am God. So how do we hear the Lord through all the noise? There's A.W. Tozier who nailed it many, many years ago. When he said one of the most popular errors... The one out of which springs most of the noisy, blustering religious activity being carried on in evangelical circles these days is the notion that as times change, the church must change. That Christians must adapt their methods by demands of the people. If they want a 10-minute sermon, give them a 10-minute sermon. If they want truth in capsule form, give it to them. If they want pictures, give them plenty of pictures. If they want stories, tell them stories. If they prefer to absorb their religious instruction through the drama, go along with them. Give them what they want. He says, but some earnest Christian will realize there is no stillness in this loud, obnoxious world and the preaching being done. And they'll begin to ask, how do I hear God through all of this? This was many, many years ago. Years and years and years ago. And we begin to look at the, 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 the writings of Brother Tozier there as he is writing those words 75 years ago. We say, that's what's going on today. We have filled our churches and our pulpits with people entering into the pulpit and just simply telling a story because they want to appease the crowd. Where we have allowed people to enter into the pulpit where there is no uh, true form of Christ in the pulpit. There is no preaching of Christ in the pulpit. There is only preaching of self and there is an obnoxiousness entering into the pulpits today. The world is adapting. The world is changing and times are beginning to get different and different. And so to be relevant, you have to change. No, 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 no. You know... One of the things that we are finding, and you'll find this to be true, take it from just our recovery program right now. The recovery program is a prime example of many people in need. And those people that come to a recovery program are not coming because they're searching for, for people that are living in the lifestyle that they're living in and how are they getting along with it. No, they're searching for answers and help. You see, as people come to the house of God and they're searching for all those answers, we must come to the reality that we're not going to all of a sudden just give it to them because of who we are, but they need to be introduced to the Savior. And so notice these things as you think about hearing from God and hearing this voice and hearing the Lord in the midst of all of the noise. Notice with me, verse number one, the Bible says this. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Notice with me, number one, God is our refuge. 
The word refuge here literally means a place to which to go quietly for protection. As you begin to think about God and the God of creation and all that to whom we can go quietly for protection and when disaster is on its way, it speaks of how personal He is to us. He's always there. He is our refuge. It doesn't say that God was our refuge. It doesn't say that God will be our refuge. It's present. God is our refuge. In verse number 1, the Bible says again, God is our refuge and strength. As we come to realize that, that the Almighty God, He's always present. He's always there. He is our refuge. We can take hope in these words that we have a place to go which is so quiet and it's for protection. How personal our God is. You see, many of the reasons as you read the Word of God, the Bible says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Many of the reasons we don't trust this, we don't yield to this. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I is a major flaw of mine is I like to try to fix problems my own way. I like to be a solutionist. I like to find the solution and say, here's how we're going to get it done. But truth of the matter is, that's not always the case. I can't always do that. I don't have all the answers sometimes. I don't know what to say when someone is hurting sometimes and I've not been through that and they're asking me a question. I say, I can't answer that. But I know who can. You see, one of the reasons we tend not to trust those words and take hope in those words is we begin to live our lives in such a way where we are unwilling to yield ourselves to the Lord. I've, the Lord's been dealing with me on this word yielding quite a bit lately. And I wonder this morning if you are yielded to the Lord. You say, I'm here this morning. That doesn't mean you're yielded to the Lord. So I'll be here on Wednesday. It doesn't mean you're yielded to the Lord. As a matter of fact, that might just very simply be that you've got into a form of habits where you're showing up, but you're not listening to the Lord. Look, I love the fact that you may be faithful to Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday and, and any of the ministries that we have and you're serving and you're plugged in and you're, you're doing certain things, but just because you're serving does not mean you're always yielded. And so as you come to this, this question, am I truly yielded? Because yielding takes all of you and says, Lord, I don't know, but I know you do. And Lord, I'm out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to say yes. And I, yes. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God who's never going to take you anywhere he never intended you to be taken? I'm so thankful for the calling of God in my life. I'm thankful that the Lord has directed me in certain ways and taken me through certain valleys and brought me over the mountaintops at certain times because all along the way I've realized that He is the one who knows all things. We don't know sometimes, and we don't yield ourselves. Sometimes we're just very simply impatient. Impatient. Lord, I don't have time to wait on you. And all the while he's saying, it would probably do you good to wait on me. You know what happens sometimes when we don't wait on the Lord? We get ourselves into trouble. Well, Lord, this is your fault. You didn't, you didn't, you weren't on time. Oh, it's a dangerous thing to say. Think about for just a moment, George Mueller for just a moment. Many of you know the story of George Mueller. George Mueller was used mightily of the Lord. His wife died on February 6, 1870. And George Mueller's wife died, and as he was seeking a text in which he would preach out of, he came to Psalm 119, verse 68. Thou art good and doest good, teach me thy statutes. And he made this statement at the funeral. He said, the Lord was good and did good in giving my wife to me. 
The Lord was good and did good and so long leaving her to me. The Lord was good and did good in taking her from me. As he began to reflect on his life with his precious wife, he began to remember certain moments. And in one particular moment, he began to pray. He said, yes, my father, the times of my darling wife are in thy hands. Thou wilt do the very best things for her and for me, whether it be by life or by death. If it may be, raise up yet again, my precious wife. Thou art able to do it, though she be so ill. But howsoever thou dealest with me, only help me to continue to be perfectly satisfied with thy holy will. And remember that thou art my refuge, my help, and you're always present. Oh, it's hard to understand sometimes. In the midst of all of the noise, in the midst of all of the chaos, you say, Lord, I want to hear from you and I want to do your will. Have you yielded yourself? You say, oh, Lord, I don't have time to wait on you. No, in that time of waiting, he's preparing you. You don't have a clue what God is doing on the other side, but you can rest assured that he's doing something. He's working on your behalf. He's getting everything taken care of right this very moment. And if we're not careful, we begin to look at our own lives and we begin to acknowledge certain things that we don't have. And God all the while is saying, remember what you do have and who you have. You see, it's been said to be, or to look around is to be distressed. To look within is to be depressed. But to look up is to be blessed. I don't know about you, but are you looking around? Because if you are, you're going to get distressed. Oh, man, this world is just getting worse and worse. It's getting louder and louder. Well, stop paying attention to that right this moment. Say, oh, well, if I stop paying attention to that, then I just start looking at my own life and the things that I haven't accomplished and the things that I am doing. Well, you're going to get depressed. Probably would be a good idea to start looking up and be blessed. You know, there's never been a day whenever I was struggling or the days in which I was hurting or the days whenever I was going through a trial, whenever I said, Lord, I need you. And I began to take myself to the the Lord and began to pray and began to spend time with him where I found myself discouraged in the presence of the Lord. I've never found that. In those days, whenever I didn't know, in those days in which I was asking the Lord, why? It was all of a sudden in that questioning of why and that questioning of not understanding where the still small voice began to deal with me. And as I got into the stillness away from all of the noise, away from all of the chaos, at those times when the Lord reminded me, I'll give you all that you need. Yesterday, I had some errands to run in preparation for today and getting some things ready and then I went home early early morning late morning rather right around 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 noon or so and began to to clean out the the van for Miss Kelly we we hadn't really been able to clean it out because we've been so busy and everything and so went home was cleaning that out and if you know me I'm someone who loves to listen to music I just love music. It's a major part of my life. And everywhere I go, I'm, you jump in the, the vehicle. I've got music. The very first thing that I do before I ever put in a part, uh, put in a drive oftentimes is I hit audio and I go ahead and connect my music and get music going. I go home and, and if I'm working on something outside, I've got music going on. If I've got grass I'm cutting, I'm typically putting the earbuds in my ears and listening to music. If I'm at the gym, I've got music in my ears and I love music. It's a major part of my life. But I was outside working on the van just a little bit, and the kids were inside. Charlie was sleeping. Praise the Lord. Uh, 
Miss Kelly was working on some things and I was just out there working on and detailing the car and all that. And I had music going. And you know this to be true. There, there are times whenever you're, you're just going, going, going. And I began, I had so much on my mind. I was thinking on all of these many things that I didn't even realize that the music had stopped playing on my MP3, my Bluetooth speaker. Begin to just pray. Not even realizing that I had music that was playing, that was encouraging music, that would lift me up. But I began to realize the importance of just the stillness. No noise. Just outside. Working on everything. No conversations. No tunes. Just silence. I was reminded in the midst of the stillness of how wonderful our Savior is. He's got everything figured out. You come into the house of God this morning and you say, oh, Pastor, I'm so discouraged. I've got all the hate. You go home today. Don't turn music on. Get in the vehicle. Sit there and drive home. Spend some time communing with the Savior. Don't have conversation. Stillness. And allow the Lord to speak to you and remind you of how wonderful He truly is. And you'll echo the same words that George Mueller echoed when he said the Lord was good and did good. The Lord was good and did good. You'll begin to say the Lord was good, is good, and will always be good. God is our refuge. To look around, again, is to be distressed. To look within is to be depressed. To look up is to be blessed. Sometimes we're impatient. Sometimes we just won't let Him prove Himself. Sometimes we think we've got to walk by sight and not by faith, and we think we've got to have all the answers if we're going to live this Christian life. Well, if you had all the answers, would there be such a thing as faith anymore? God said, I'll give you all the answers you ever need and I'll show you everything you're going to go through. I'll give you the steps you're going to go through. You're going to know before you go through it. Hey, you're going to get to the other side. You don't need faith anymore. The truth of the matter is you do have all of that. You see, God reminds us that every trial, He's still present. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You say, ah, but that's not what I mean. God has given us everything He saw fit to give us. And if it's good enough for God, it must be good enough for us. Are you yielded this morning? God is our refuge. You see in these verses right here, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling there, I mean noise, storms and floods and uh, wars and all of this is going on. Be still and know that I am God. You see, a command to trust the Lord in the, the personal matters of our lives, as he says, therefore will not we fear. You have no reason to fear. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. 
Notice those words, trust in the Lord, all that heart. Yeah, I was just sharing this just the other day, I think with Miss Pauline, but we were talking about Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, and I love those verses, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. But if you go to verse number 6, it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And I have found to be true in my personal life that it is so much easier for me to take hold of verse number 5 if I'm willing to do verse number 6 and acknowledge him. The truth of the matter is, many of us, if we're not careful, we say, oh, I'll trust Him, but I'm not going to acknowledge Him. How can you trust Him if you're not willing to acknowledge Him? A child is about to jump, and Dad is down there saying, jump, 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 and the, the, the child says, oh, it just falls off. No, they're acknowledging. Dad's there. He's going to catch me. And the hope that that provides. You see a command to trust the Lord here. You see a caution about trusting and where you put your trust. Therefore, will not we be, will not we fear? Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. You see, I wonder this morning, where are you placing your trust? Because the Bible is very clear about that. Don't put your trust in self. The Bible goes on to remind us, for I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Psalm 44, 6. And don't put your trust in money. It'll fade if I made gold my hope or have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. In Job 31. Don't put your trust in people. It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. Don't put your trust in government. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And we can go on and on and on. Where is your trust this morning? Ah, it's just so noisy. I just need answers. Get in the stillness. Along with God. Say, I've got to have music going. No, you don't. Ah, I've got to have conversations. No, you don't. Along with God. Remind yourself this morning that God is your refuge. Notice what the Bible also goes on to say in verse number one. He's our strength. Oh, the assurance there that He's always there. He's always going to help us. The Bible goes on and says that He is a very present help in trouble. We may pick back up here this evening. I don't want to rush through this. I want you to understand. I want you to be helped by this. How personal our God is. How powerful these words are. The word trouble speaks of literally being in tight places. The Lord is so good to us. How permanent he is. The word earth here translated as land and can be speaking of being removed, speaking of changing. And God is aware of all of that. And so I close with this this morning. We're nowhere near close to being done, but I believe the Lord is done with this message this morning. We're living in a loud and obnoxious world. Times are going to get worse. Society is going to get worse. People and mankind is going to get worse. And here's my question. When are Christians going to get tired of trying to be relevant? When is it going to become a thing where we say, you know what, my use of the Lord and for the Lord and my service to the Lord and my yieldedness to the Lord is not dependent upon what they say. But it's dependent upon what this book has already said. God, I need you. You say, oh, you just don't understand the voices that I have going on. Get alone with God. The stillness. There are many things that 
wake me up. Miss Kelly and I have a fan in our home, and we always have had a fan ever since we've been married. I've got to sleep with a fan. And we were in a hotel this past week with teen camp, and our kiddos went with us, and were with us a couple of the days, and one of the nights we were sleeping in the hotel room, and there was a storm going on, and we don't have just a fan. We've got a fan. You can put it on the back of a boat, and it'll, it'll, it'll push you through. And uh, if neither of us want to talk, we just turn that fan on because you can't hear each other. That's how it works. And we know, we know the clues. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that's how it is. What did you say? Ah, going upstairs. I'll be back down, you know. We were sleeping in this hotel room the other night, and that fan is going. All of a sudden, the power goes out. Worst feeling in the world when the fan in the middle of the night goes out. It's complete silence. You can't hear it. You're just waiting. You're just wondering, when's the power going to come back on? For every single one of us this morning, it would do us all good if for just a few moments... We'd get a glimpse of God because we'd say no more to the noise. Noise to my left, noise to my front, noise to my back, noise to my right. And we say, stop. Nothing. And just get along with God. Allow Him to speak to us. It's in the stillness where we begin to realize just how wonderful He truly is. Lord, we do thank You. We thank you for your grace and your mercy within our lives. And Lord, we need you this morning. Lord, maybe there are some here that have been trying to crowd you out because they've got so much noise and so much clutter in their lives. Maybe there are some here this morning, Lord, that are trying to stay relevant. Lord, and in doing so, they've neglected you. They thought that they had to understand the lingo they had to know what the fads were they had to know who the popular artists were and the cliche sayings that are hip right now and trying to fit in lord i pray that you would just be with us help us to get alone and in the stillness be still all oh, the peace and the rest that is found as we just stop we just rest in you the ones that are hurting, draw them to this altar and help them, Lord, to lay it all on the altar. Give it to you. For the ones that are searching, for the ones that are struggling, for the ones that just want to rejoice in how wonderful you've been and how wonderful you always be. Lord, you know what you're trying to do. I pray that we would give you the opportunity. Lord, we'd be hearers and doers also. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you